Everybody doing okay? You guys good? Everyone's good? <laughs> Everyone tired? That's what that felt like right there. Um, so everyone's just kind of tired. Hey, listen, if you're friends with Josh Brooker, you probably need to send him a text message or a nice email or something. Um, a lot of people don't know our pastor from the Woodbury campus is from Georgia. And, uh, <laughs> and he's struggling right now, guys. So you might just want to send him something encouraging, nice, tell him you love him. So, uh, okay, so we have been working through 2 Thessalonians. If you've never been to church here, this is what we do. We go through whole books of the Bible, we break them down chapter by chapter, read it, and cover it. First and 2 Thessalonians are, are very short books of the Bible, but um, there's a lot in there. Paul does a really good job of cramming a lot into a little bit of space, and he does that really, really well with 1 and 2 Thessalonians. These were letters written to a church in kind of northeastern Greece along the coast in northeastern Greece, an area called Thessalonica, uh, a very young congregation, um, not necessarily in their age, but in how long that they had been a church. And so Paul writes to them, encourages them, instructs them, tells them you know, mistakes and pitfalls to look out for. Something he talks about a lot, Paul, in 1 Thessalonians is the return of Jesus, that Jesus is coming back, right? Um, not necessarily the specifics about Jesus coming back, but he is coming back, and we need to be ready for that. In 2 Thessalonians, um, we found out that there's kind of a problem with the church in Thessalonica, that they have been afraid that Jesus has already come back, had come back, and they missed it. Paul gets a little frustrated and says, we've already talked about this, and tells them that, that no, Jesus has not come back yet, because certain things will take place before he comes back. And one of the things that he says will take place before he comes back is there will be a man of lawlessness that will be revealed, an antichrist that will be revealed. So if you weren't here last week, we talked about the antichrist a little bit, right? Just appropriate for this time of year, Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up. We talk about the end of the world, the antichrist. And so uh, that's what Paul talked about. And here's what we talked about, kind of what we took from this, the, the first half of chapter two of 2 Thessalonians, we're gonna do the other half today, is that sometimes we get so caught up in the times that we have not built a relationship with Jesus, the one who is coming back. It's not about necessarily pinpointing an exact time of when he comes back, it's that we are to be ready for whenever Jesus decides to return. But some people get so caught up in, cracking codes and YouTube videos and, well, I saw this movie about this, that, that they haven't built a relationship with Jesus. And that's the whole point, right, is to build a relationship with Jesus. Today, we're gonna finish the second half of chapter two of 2 Thessalonians. It's very, very short. We'll get through it relatively quick. Um, we'll hopefully have enough time to where we can all take communion together today, which we do every once in a while. And um, I always enjoy that. So here's what we're gonna talk about today, today though, is that we have a choice right, all of us in this room, we have a choice to either live in the truth, which is God and his word, or we choose to live in our own realities or our own lies. That's what we're gonna talk about today. And there are consequences to either choosing to live in the truth or choosing to live in our lies, but that's what we're gonna talk about. So you should've got a notes handout. Everything I'm gonna talk about will be in there. Everything will be on the screens in the room. Uh, if you have the Experience Community app, uh, just pick your campus, click on sermon notes. Everything is right there. Scripture, notes, everything. So you should be ready to go. If you have a Bible, we're in the New Testament towards the back a little bit. Second Thessalonians 
chapter two. We're gonna start at verse nine. I will pray and uh, we'll dive into this, okay? All right? Okay, let me pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room this morning. Thank you, God, that we have the freedom uh, to do what we're doing. I pray that we take advantage of this freedom, God, and this time that we have together to study your word. I pray that it blesses us, that it equips us and strengthens us, God. And Lord, we don't just pray for, for our church. We pray for every church in our city. We pray for our other campuses and the churches in those cities as well, God. We pray for our great nonprofits that we work with, like Endure Athletics, God, and what they're doing for kids in our community. And Lord, we just pray that everything we do today, that it honors you, blesses you, God, and, and makes you proud. We love you. We thank you and we praise you, God, and we pray all these things in your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Paul writes this. He's talking about the Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders, and with every wicked deception among those who are perishing. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie so that all will be condemned, those who did not believe the truth but delighted in unrighteousness. So we talked a little bit about the Antichrist last week, and one of the things I said about the devil last week was the devil is not very original. He just tries to rip off God, to mimic God, to be a counterfeit of God. So the Antichrist is going to have a lot of similarities to the real Christ, to Jesus Christ. Um, and these are the similarities. One is they will have both received a fatal wound and been miraculously restored, right? Resurrected from that. Jesus on the cross, the Antichrist, it says in Revelation, will have some kind of fatal wound to his head and will be miraculously restored. Both Jesus and the Antichrist will be part of a trinity. We believe in the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Of course, the devil mimics this, and I talked about this last week, there will be the devil, right? A beast of the sea and the beast of the earth, an unholy trinity, the devil, a politician, and a false prophet, similarity there. Both Jesus and the Antichrist will, will demand exclusive worship. Jesus said, the only way to get to the Father is through me, right, exclusively through me. The Antichrist will also say, you have to worship me exclusively. Another similarity they will have is Jesus did a lot of miracles and signs and wonders throughout the Gospels, right? The Antichrist will come and will do counterfeit miracles. That will be another similarity. So not only is the Antichrist a counterfeit, though, the source of his power is dramatically different than the source of Jesus's power. Listen, here's the thing, God loves you, and God did miraculous things through his son, Jesus Christ, and, and still does miraculous things, and, and all the things that God does is because he cares for you, he cares for me, right? He wants good things for us, it's by good motives. The power of the Antichrist and the devil is completely the opposite. The devil has one desire for your life, to steal, kill, and destroy it. That's what he wants. So it is the source of the power that is the huge difference between Jesus and the false Christ, the Antichrist that will come, okay? So how will such a terrible individual garner so much worship? Well, Paul just talked about it. He will do miraculous things, signs, wonders, miracles. He will have some kind of supernatural ability to perform impressive things 
people will see this and, and they will say, well, because he can do that, no one else can. We must give him our allegiance, we must give him control, we must respect him and revere him. Now here's the things about signs and wonders and miracles, and we'll talk about this a little bit more on the next slide. We have to make sure, even in the church, that we test all supposedly miraculous things by the word of God. Let's just say, for instance, let me turn the sarcasm meter up a little bit. Let's just say, for instance, there's a church, I don't know, in Northern California that claims that the Spirit of God manifests itself and hangs out in the corner of their sanctuary. They can see it, right? Manifests itself in gold flakes and feathers that fall from the ceiling and all kinds of bull crap that they claim to be miraculous. And the thing with that is none of those miracles line up with the character, nature, and miracles of the Holy Bible. So if they don't, there must be a problem and we must question those things, right? Because if we don't, people are going to be deceived. Well, that guy up there on the stage must not believe in the Holy Spirit and the mirror. You're totally wrong on that. I believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in tongues and interpretation. I believe in miracles. I believe in the gift of discernment and wisdom and knowledge and courageous faith. Anything that's biblical, I believe in it. I believe all the miracles of the New Testament and even the miracles of the Old Testament are literal. I still believe miraculous things happen today. I have seen them personally. But the problem is this. We often let emotionalism creep into the picture and we let selfish ambition creep into the picture and it takes the place of good biblical theology. And it becomes not about Jesus, but about what kind of miracle can bless me. That's why Jesus said it is a corrupt generation that's always looking for a sign. That's why Jesus said that, because it's not about the gift, it's about the giver of the gift. That's what it's about. And so we have to be very, very careful. And what happens is, is when we move away from the Bible and we just become enthralled and enamored with miraculous signs, people are gonna get spiritually hurt. And one day they're going to get deceived in a major way by an anti-Christ. Here's the thing about signs and wonders and miracles. God will not do anything. God does not do anything superfluously. What I mean by that is God is not a magician just to entertain you on the weekends. Right? Whenever God did something miraculous in the Bible, it served a purpose. And most of the time, the purpose was to point towards Jesus, his son. It was to be all about him. It was to enlighten people on the authority of Jesus Christ. So one, God will not do superfluous, miraculous things that contradict his word. Two, everything in the Bible had a purpose, right? Every word in here, every miracle, everything God did served a purpose. But here's the thing, if you're a real Christian in this room, right? If you're really following God, you have a relationship with him, you read the word of God, you'll be able to spot counterfeit things. Counterfeit spiritual activity will be very clear to you. But those that do not have a desire to know the true God. There's a lot of people who want the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the emotional high that they get, right? From being in a, in a hyper charismatic environment, but they have no desire to learn theology. They have no desire to learn anything about the true God, and people like that will be deceived in a major way, a major way. Paul even says they're destined to perish. Why? They're destined to perish because they did not accept the love and the truth and so be saved. And so the thing is, is God offers salvation freely. Any of you in this room, 
Anyone you meet can be saved. God offers that freely, but we have to choose to receive this gift. The gift is bought and paid for. It's right there. All you gotta do is come and pick it up, right? That's why James said, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. What's our responsibility? We must invite him in. And it says that he will come in and eat with us, is what the book of James says. But if we do not accept this, we are on our way to death. Now, it doesn't take a genius or someone that, that is just completely connected to the news or anything like that to see that the devil is working overtime right now, especially in the United States. Now, there have always been different temptations to ensnare us, right? And to destroy our lives. But recently, I think we, right, in the United States, we have seen an escalation of, of particular kinds of sins and temptations. The desire for power and control. I'm not just talking about politicians and CEOs of major corporations. We all want control. We want power over ourselves. No one can tell me what to do. We have this lust, right, for power. We have this increased narcissism in our culture. My God, right? We're the generation that, that, that records ourselves driving down the highway with our children in the back, talking about things that no one really cares about because we believe the entire world wants to know what we have to say. That's us, right? Guys, you know it's not smart to record yourself while you're driving an automobile with your kids in the back. Everyone knows, if anyone tries to give you advice while they're recording themselves while they're driving a car, don't take their advice, because that's dumb. That's very dumb, right? But we're so narcissistic that we think that, that everyone cares, right? Everyone cares. Uh, sexual degradation, we have seen this amplify, right, in our culture. We're a very hypersexualized culture. We see complete moral blindness, which means people don't even have a compass to understand what is right and wrong. And are we not an aggressive society, right? Doesn't it just feel like you're gonna get like sucker punched all the time now? Like walk in someplace and you're like, hey man, yeah. You know, like it just feels like someone, maybe that's just me. You know, you tick off enough people on the weekend, you think someone's just gonna punch you sometimes at the grocery store. <laughs> but it just feels like everyone's so aggressive. But if we're being honest in this room, I hope we're always honest, without a relationship with Jesus, maybe not for you, but it is for me, I could fall into any of these things. Very, very easy. If I'm not close to Jesus Christ, I am the one that wants to sucker punch people sometimes, right? You know, you're driving down Murfreesboro Road on the way to Smyrna and you're like, why are we doing 85 on this two lane road, right? And you wanna sucker punch people, right? It's crazy. It is easy to fall into these traps. That's why we need not only a relationship with God, we need to know the word of God. Or listen, I promise you, you will easily be lured into one of these temptations. You will easily be sucked in to this sin. It's very easy in our day and age. And what happens is this. Romans 1.24 says that, that God will give us over to a reprobate mind or a worthless mind. What does that mean? Because people choose, that is a very important word this morning, because people choose to believe, to, to believe lies, God obliges their desires and gives them over to their own deception. It even says he will give them over to a strong delusion, and the ultimate strong delusion will be the Antichrist. Corey, how can this be? Look at our, look, look at our culture right now. 
Look at the conversations we are having in the United States right now. We not only create our own alternate realities, we get hyper offended if someone challenges us with black and white truths, right? Not only have we turned our back on God, we have turned our back on science, logic, reason, common sense, all things that I think are a byproduct of God and the truth. We have turned our back on all those things in the name of political correctness and I have created my own reality. That's what we have done. We have bought into a strong delusion in our culture. I was watching a video the other day and I'm not trying to be mean with this at all. I'm just, I'm just this is what it was. There was a woman who was, who was morbidly obese. I'm not talking about just a little bit overweight. I'm talking about like very, very large, right? Unhealthily large. And she makes this video of herself. And she says, oh, guys, guys, who, who, I don't know who's watching this, right? Guys, I guess I did. So anyways, <laughs> guys. <laughs> she goes, I, I went to the doctor the other day and you wouldn't believe what my doctor did. My doctor fat shamed me because my doctor said that if I don't lose weight, it's gonna be bad for my health. So she goes, you know what I did? I fired that doctor and I went to a doctor that's not going to address my weight as a part of my identity and they're gonna tell me positive things about me and they're going to affirm me. And I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, so you went to the doctor, your doctor told you that you have a health problem or a potential health problem and instead of listening to logic, reason and science, right? because your heart can only handle so much if you put that pressure on it, right? Instead of that, we choose to live in a lie that you are just making me feel bad about myself. This is something that all of our doctors do, right? I can't tell you a time that I haven't gone to Dr. Myers. I have a wonderful doctor and he's like, Corey, what about that 15 pounds? And I'm like, I'll lose it by the next time I, it's a lie, we all know it's a lie. <laughs> I always blame the holidays, it's like the middle of the summer and I'm like, there was a 4th of July, right? You know, I, I, anyways, but it's not because our doctors hate us. It's because the truth is, is that if we don't take care of our body, it, it, it shuts down on us. But we choose to believe in a lie. And so when Paul says that people who choose to believe in lies are already dying, of course he's talking about the spiritual side, but it's gonna affect the physical side of us as well. There are consequences now. Yeah, Paul says people that choose to live in a false reality, People that choose to live in a lie because they're, al they're already dying. They're already on a path. They're already driving off the cliff, right? Because of their beliefs and actions. Because failing to believe and live in the truth of Jesus not only sets us on a path of being eternally separated from God, which means, wrap your brain around this, Hell, regardless of what hell is, hell will be an absence of God, which means an absence of anything good, because the Bible says all good and perfect things come from God. Imagine an existence where there is nothing good, no good motives, no good intentions, no, what damage, what carnage will that look like? Not only do if we choose to live in lies, are we destined for that, that place, it also destroys our lives today. Living in lies destroys us today, right? It breaks things down now. Now, here's the thing. God does not want that for you. It is God, it, Second Peter says, it is not God's will that any perish. It is not God's will that anyone you meet go to hell. God does not want that. 
And Jeremiah says that God has good things for you, good plans for you, but it is also God's desire that all come to repentance. And we see that God loves us in the cross and what Jesus has done for us. But here's the thing. We must not only choose to accept the love and grace of God, we must also choose to not delight in unrighteous things. Because listen, it is impossible to delight in unrighteous things and have a relationship with a righteous God. One more time. It is impossible for us to delight, love, enjoy unrighteous things and have a relationship with a righteous God. That's why the Bible says, what fellowship does light and darkness have with each other? Absolutely none, absolutely none. Because if we accept unrighteousness, we are consciously and deliberately rejecting a righteous Jesus, a righteous Savior, okay? All right. Paul says, but we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to do this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught, whether by what we said or by what we wrote. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and work. So, I love what Paul says here, and, and um, I'm not trying to puff you up this morning, but I, but I, I empathize with, uh, with Paul, or I kind of feel what he's doing right here. Paul says this. He says, there are all these people who are believing a lie, but he looks at the church in Thessalonica and he says, but that's not you. And he says, I thank God it's not you. If you come to his, sorry, I think I just spit on myself. If you come to this church for any length of time, um, you will know that, that, that I have a, a cynicism and, and quite frankly, a disdain for, for the church in the United States. I believe in the church. I believe the church is the hope of the local community. I believe that God says we're to go to church. I believe in it. I also believe that in the United States, we're not doing a very good job at it. I, I, I struggle with it very, very much. But I don't struggle with you. Um, I love you guys. Uh, I love this church. I think this church is lightning in a bottle. I think it's very, very different than any group of Christians I've ever been around, and it's refreshing. So when Paul says this, he says, man, people are falling apart, but not you, not you. That's how I feel about you. I, I, I love you guys very much. And Paul praises and encourages this church because they displayed what it meant to really be a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the thing, we all need encouragement. I need encouragement and you guys do a great job of encouraging me. I need to encourage you more because if we're being honest in this room, it's not easy to be a Christian right now. My faith in God has never wavered, but I'll tell you, my faith in people has wavered big time. And those things are, they're, they're not exclusive, they're, they're married. And so it's hard sometimes to live it out. This is why we need each other though. This is why whenever I hear a Christian say, ah, you don't need church, you 100% need church. And Hebrews 10 says, we need this more and more as the time of Jesus comes back, right? Because God knows it's going to get harder and harder and harder to live out our faith. So we need each other. We need to encourage each other. 
And then he says, from the beginning, God chose you. And this ignites this big argument. Well, are we predestined? Do we have choice and free will? And people have been arguing about this for centuries and centuries and centuries. And the thing is, is the Bible teaches both. Are we predestined? Yes. Do we choose? Yes, both of those things. In fact, Paul actually says it right here. He says that, that, that our salvation is initiated by God's spirit, but we're also saved because we have a belief in the truth. It is both. Did God choose you? Yeah. Do you have to choose God? Yeah. And when both of those things happen, right, there is a process called sanctification that takes place where God refines us and renews our mind and renews the way we live. We live more like Jesus. We talk more like Jesus. And then Jesus is able to do amazing things with us, right? Because we become holy like God is holy, right? And we can contribute back to the kingdom of God. And not only that, look at this. Paul says that God gave me this word, right? Paul wrote about 70% of the New Testament. Paul says that God gave me these words to draw people in who are searching for the truth. People who are looking for the answer. Paul says, God gave me the words to draw them in so they can build a relationship with Jesus so that they may, look at this, obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, not only does God love you, not only does God want good things for you in this life, God eventually wants you to experience the same glorification that Jesus got when he resurrected from the grave. That one day we will also be resurrected in the same kind of glory and splendor and majesty that Christ was resurrected by. Not that we're equal to Jesus, that's not it. But the Bible does say we become co-heirs with Christ in heaven, right? It's like in Willy Wonka when he opens up the doors and he's like, it's all yours. You can lick the wallpaper, whatever you want to do, it's yours. That's a bad example, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but the Bible even talks about in Revelation, it's fascinating, that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. That means a new universe and a new literal earth and a city will come down, the new Jerusalem. And it says in the book of Revelation that the gates are always open. That means that not only will, will God create a new, a new living place for us, right? This new city and a new earth that I believe God is saying, you have a whole new universe to explore. It's all yours, right? You have forever. <laughs> Go explore, check it out, right? Do whatever you wanna do, it's yours. We become co-heirs with Christ. Not only does Jesus love us, he wants us to inherit his kingdom. That's what he wants for us, to receive glory like Jesus received glory. But if we are going to experience that, Paul says we must stand firm. How do we, how do we stand firm? Well, he tells us, Paul says, hold on to the traditions that we've taught you that book, right? Hold on to what you've been told. If you're going to experience the resurrection like Jesus experienced the resurrection, if we're going to experience an eternity with him, if we're going to ex experience the blessings of God today, this word, right? This word points us in the right direction. But people say, well, Corey, I'm gonna make mistakes. God knows you're gonna make mistakes. God does not seek perfection. God seeks your allegiance. He seeks your dedication. He seeks your desire to want to follow him. Listen, God knows you're gonna make mistakes. That's why the Bible says he's quick to forgive. He's quick to restore. He's quick to help, right? If we will humble ourselves and ask for his help, he's quick to help. That's not the problem. 
but we must be dedicated. We must continually be moving closer and closer towards him. And ultimately, listen, ultimately the strength to do that comes from him. Isn't that amazing, right? The strength to follow Jesus comes from Jesus. Verse 16 and 17, it says, our Lord Jesus Christ, God our Father, who loved us, gives us eternal encouragement. He gives us eternal encouragement. He gives us hope by his grace. He's so gracious to us. He encourages our hearts. He strengthens us for what? To do good things, to say good things. So do we need each other? Yes, you and I need each other, but humanity in and of itself is not enough. We need God. We need Jesus in our lives to strengthen us, encourage us for our works, for our words, for how we live our lives, right? We need God's help. It is only by God that we are able to follow God and then eternally be with God. So here's the thing. The first thing we need to talk about today is we have to be able to identify what is fake. Listen, there are so many people, right? So many, I say young people, it's older people too, it's everybody. Because we have not read the word of God and studied the word of God, when every kind of bad theology comes out, right? Listen, just because a pastor has millions of followers on YouTube doesn't mean he's theologically correct. But you have no idea to identify that if you do not read the Bible. Whenever a minister gets up there and he says, it is God's will that all of us be rich. Listen, I have nothing wrong with wealth. God has nothing wrong with wealth, but that's not God's will for everyone. But if a pastor gets up there and says, just give to, to our church because God wants all of you to be rich. You don't know that that's bull crap unless you've read the words of Jesus when he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of God doesn't have a place to sleep tonight. But you don't know that prosperity gospel is garbage unless you read the Bible, unless you read the real gospel. You don't know that. So I've got a friend, uh, uh, he lives in DC now. He used to come to church here and I've told this story before, but it's a fun story, I'll, I'll, I like telling it. And so uh, he's in the secret service. He was with Barack Obama for, for all eight years. He was with Donald Trump for his four years. And he's with Joe Biden right now. And he used to live here in Murfreesboro and he worked in Nashville. I would go down to Nashville. I'd meet him in an, an unmarked building off Roselle Parks Boulevard, which I'm probably not supposed to tell you. So if I disappear, that's, you know, what's happened. Um, <laughs> I would go down to Roselle Parks and I'd meet him and I'd pick him up and we'd go down to the, the international market and we'd eat Jamaican food and all kinds of weird stuff. And, and um, his name's Kelvin, he's just a, he's an old buddy of mine. And one day I went and picked up Kelvin in Nashville and we're gonna go get some, some oxtail or something weird, you know? And so we go down there and uh, pick him up and I go through 19 checkpoints to get to his office and get to his office. And he's got this stack about two inches thick of $100 bills. And um, he goes, Corey, you ever seen counterfeit $100 bills? And I was like, I don't see many real $100 bills. Yeah, let me see those. And so <laughs> he, he hands them to me. And I'm looking at them and I'm putting them up to the light to see if it has a little strip in there and I'm checking them out and they look pretty real to me. And I said, I said, Kelvin, I cannot tell if these are real or fake. I said, how do you guys know that they're fake? And he said something very provocative. He says, the only way to know if something is counterfeit is you have to handle the real thing a lot. Let me say it one more time. The only way to spot what is fake is you must be very, very familiar with what is real. And I remember when he said that to me and I thought about, man, 
the reason why so many people get duped by bad theology, the reason why so many people fall for counterfeit things is they have not handled the real thing enough. So we must have this in our hands. We must read this. And when we know the truth through the word of God, it's very, very easy to say that's not right. That's not right. That does not align with God and his word or his character. So here's the thing. Once we are presented with the truth, we have two choices. We can either accept it and along with that, live in the love of God and live in the grace of God. God loves all of you regardless of how you live, but we live in God's love and in God's grace when we accept the truth. Or we can reject this. Gotta be careful with my words. We can reject this and along with it, the very common sense, biological, very, very black and white things that are mentioned in this book, we can reject these things and we will be given over to our lies. God will give us a strong delusion, right? So here's the thing. If we are in this room this morning and we say, well, I accept Jesus. I wanna live a life with Jesus. Choosing Jesus begins with repenting for evil that we've done against Jesus. So repentance though is not just saying, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is a conscious and deliberate decision to not only say I'm sorry for the evil I've done, I want to turn my back on the evil that I've done and the things that displease God, and I want to gravitate towards Jesus. So repentance, which you'll have the opportunity to do today before we take communion, repentance is not just saying I'm sorry that I did this thing. Repentance is saying I want to turn away from doing this thing. I wanna stop doing this thing, right? That is repentance. So the Bible not only tells us what we need to repent of, isn't the Bible wonderful? It's not ambiguous. What God thinks is good and bad is not ambiguous. It's all written out for us. And the Bible says that we are to run away from things that are immoral. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, run away from it. Don't be close to it. The Bible even goes on to say, even avoid things that appear to be evil. Well, Corey, I was riding around with a Swedish bikini model the other day and I'm married, but we didn't do anything, but it looked bad, right? And why is that person in town anyways? Like, it just didn't look okay. And so we have a rule here at the church, if you're married, you are not in a car with a person of the opposite sex for any reason by yourselves. If you're going to Lowe's, and, and you're on a team here and, and me as a male and someone else is a female, I don't know, any of the women that work here, we have to get a third person if we're just gonna run to Lowe's right down the street. Why? Because I'm a married man, I think you all know that. If someone else is in the car with me that's not my wife, why is my pastor driving around with a young lady that he's not married to? It looks wrong. And the Bible says even avoid things that look wrong. Well, I didn't do anything, but it looks wrong. It looks wrong, right? Well, my boyfriend just spends the night we can talk like adults and, and I will really challenge you that, and you guys just didn't touch each other at all, right? But anyways, even if you didn't, it doesn't look good, does it? It doesn't look good. So even avoid the appearance of such things, the Bible says, right? Come on, clicker, there we go. So listen, we must not only turn from evil, we must also choose to live in the grace and mercy of God. 
how. I say this all the time, but it's very, it's so simple, but we, we, we need to hear it a lot. How do we live in the love of God? How do we live in the mercy and grace of God? First thing is we have to talk to God. If you want a strong relationship with anyone, if you ever do premarital counseling at this church, you can sum up premarital counseling in one word, communication. Talk to each other, talk to each other. If you want a strong relationship with Jesus, talk to Jesus. Open your mouth and talk to Jesus. Don't just think it, speak it, talk to him. Talk to him every day, pray. Read the word of God. Read the word of God. If you love God, you wanna know more about God, read about, read about him and obey this book, right? It's like when people are, are, are claiming to be Christians, they know what's right and wrong and they keep doing what's wrong and they say, I love Jesus. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So if someone goes, Jesus, I love you, but you know, we all just, we're all just dirty sinners that mess up a lot. Jesus would say, no, no, if you, know, if you know what's right and choose to do what's wrong, you don't love me. You don't love me. That's Jesus's words. I didn't write that. But this is how we choose to live in the love and grace of God. In a relationship with Jesus yields glory, eternal glory when one day we will be resurrected and given a body similar to that of Christ's perfect glorified body. One day that's gonna happen to all of you if you follow Jesus. But not only will we experience in the afterlife, experience glory in the afterlife, you will experience glory now. Heaven comes to earth now when we follow God. That we experience contentment and peace and hope and fulfillment. That we have an identity, we have a purpose. That we get a taste of heaven now if we are dedicated to Christ, living in his love, living in his grace. But we have to ask ourselves this. Listen, my last slide. Are we familiar enough with the truth? Are we familiar enough with the truth to be able to identify what is a lie? Be honest with yourself this morning. If a theological question comes up about, I don't know, gender or abortion or, I don't know, politics in the church or whatever comes up, do we know the word enough to give a defense of our faith? Do we know the word enough to say, well, that's why that's wrong. It's not a political thing. It's just morally wrong, right? Do we know the word enough to say that that's not, that's not correct? Or... Are we so busy watching the news and so busy following culture, right, that we're swayed by every passing wave and we don't know what's real and what's fake, okay? Do we know what's right? Listen, guys, we have to be honest today. Have we delighted in unrighteous things? Let me push you just a little bit further. What are you, what are you letting speak to your mind? Who, whose voices are you letting in? What movies are we watching? What music are we listening to? What, what, what influencers do we have around us, right? Are we delighting in things that the Bible says is wrong? Have we find ourselves, do we find ourselves being greedy? Do we find ourselves being envious or coveting what other people have? Do we find ourselves delighting in things that, that God says, these are wrong, this is wrong? And if so, do we realize that we are, we are already dying? 
that if we choose unrighteousness, we're already on our path towards destruction. We've already chosen, right? And that leads me to this, listen, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be so heavy this morning, but we need to think about these things. If the Bible says to run from immorality, do we run from immorality or do we dance around that threshold sometimes? Well, Corey, I, I wasn't drinking. I was hanging out at the bar at two o'clock, but I wasn't drinking. But why would you even put yourself so close to the cliff? Why would you even dance so close to the cliff? Why would you even, well, I wasn't looking at porn. I was just looking at women in bathing suits on YouTube, right? Well, I think by definition, anything that you watch that arouses you is considered pornography. So if that's doing something for you, right? Well, they weren't naked technically, but you were looking at lust at another woman, which Jesus said is the same as adultery. Are we dancing around the line or are we like, I don't wanna get anywhere near that cliff, right? I don't wanna get anywhere near that because I don't wanna fall over. We're just talking common sense this morning. That's wrong. Do you run from that? Well, let's see how close we can get to it. Are we choosing to live in the love and grace of Jesus? Again, how do you do that? You build a relationship with Jesus. Prayer, study of the word of God, obeying the word of God. That's it. That's it. Talk to him, read about him, do what he tells you to do. That's it. That's it. And if we will do those three things, we live in the love of God. We live in the security of being, being in a relationship with the creator, right? We live in that peace. We don't have to worry about impressing everyone all the time because our heavenly father sees us and knows us and is proud of us, right? So I don't have to, like, I don't, I don't have to worry about your affection all the time. I get the affection of my creator, my heavenly father, that I don't have to sell myself out to, to get people's attention or to, to, to garner praise. I have the affirmation of my father that I don't have to search for my identity and my skin color or my sexual preference or my biological gender. I don't have to do that because I get my affirmation, my love, my identity from him. And on and on I can go. But when I live in his mercy, when I live in his grace, when I live in his love, right? Not only do I experience glory now, but one day I'm gonna be in a glorified, perfect body with him, right, forever. But I have to choose that. I have to want that. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Man, I love you guys so much. You really are a special group. I, uh... <sighs> I just pray, is, is, guys, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, this world just, just has really turned it up to 11 when it comes to chaos and craziness, hasn't it? I mean, we have bought into so many lies. And just my prayer for you is I don't want you to fall for counterfeit truths. I don't want you to fall for, for, for fake signs and wonders. I don't want you to get wrapped up in the culture of this world because God has something better for you and I. But we have to choose that. Hey, listen, if you're in this room and maybe you're not a believer or maybe you're new, up here on my right, your left, Jonathan is up here. He's one of our discipleship pastors. If you wanna come up here and talk to Jonathan, he'd love to talk with you. We're not afraid of hard questions. Please 
any questions you may have about faith or the church, whatever. We have men and women on both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything in your life, for relationships, finance, family, loved ones, whatever the case may be, please come up here and get prayer. The last thing is this. We, we, we ended about 10 minutes early today, so we have time to do this together. There's communion all the way around this room where we see a lamp on a table. The bread and the wine represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, everyone is welcome to, to take the communion today that, that helps us remember the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us. But before you get up and take that, we talked about this today, you have to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You have to repent. And remember, that's not just saying, God, I'm sorry. It is, God, I'm sorry, I want to turn away from evil. And if we will do that, everyone is welcome to take the, the, the body and blood today, okay? And we'll do that together. So you can go get that, go back to your seat, and one of our pastors is just gonna lead us in communion, okay? But let me pray for you. Father, Lord, I love you. God, I love this church. Lord, I pray, Father, that all of us, including myself, Lord, that we, we can be wise enough and dedicated enough, God, to live in your love and your wisdom and your grace and your mercy. Lord, give us a desire to, to read the word and to apply the word to our lives. God, give us a desire to talk to you on a daily basis, God. Lord, don't let us be deceived by all the craziness in the world, God, and the lies of the enemy, Lord, but Lord, let us be focused on you and your truth. Bless everyone who can hear me speak right now, God. Lord, bless their families, their relationships, their homes, God. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I praise you, God, and we pray all these things in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you.